Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, May the 5th, 2023. It is currently 9.50 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, it's been... It's been somewhat of an interesting day of live broadcasting. Uh, Things have not gone quite as I would have liked or as I have planned. We we did did a a podcast episode, a broadcast where we talked about temptation. And I thought, okay, this this will be a little bit of a detour. We're going to look at this article about the three steps we have to take right now dealing with temptation, how we can be basically victorious over temptation. I thought it would be interesting. It would add to our study on temptation. And then we had some technical issues. We have some, we had some technical glitches in it. I wasn't able to really fix it perfectly, but I went ahead and uploaded it because I didn't want to throw away almost an hour of teaching. I thought it was, eh, you know, so-so. Uh, by the time I got to the end of the article, you know, when you have an article that quotes Charles Haddon Spurgeon and a Catholic mystic and both treats both of them as if they're a part of the same Christianity, <laughs> you know, you know, the article has taken a, a sharp left turn into the middle of nowhere. But uh, so so maybe it was valuable. I just when it was sometimes when it's over, you know, you're just like, well, I spent an hour doing that. What value was in it? And I, I don't know if I, there was any value in it, but I, I, I did so. Then when I was like, you know, I need to do something else. I think I've got the technical problems worked out. I need to do something else. I know what I'll do. I have a short amount of time. I'll grab this article about this mega, mega church pastor who resigned and I'll raise questions about a pastor's freedom in the pulpit. And just raise, raise, you know, raise some questions like that. You know, what what can you do in the pulpit? What shouldn't you do in the pulpit? Where theology should be occurring, not occurring. Just raise a lot of questions about the church. And when it was over, I was like, in fact, when I walked downstairs, I think the first words uh, someone said was, uh-oh, that's the aggravated look. And yes, it was aggravated because I I felt like, well, that didn't really go well. So then I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to reset I'm going to walk back up in the studio this evening and I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something great. I'm going to do something awesome. It's going to be the best broadcast of the day. It's going to be the best broadcast of the week. I I need one. I need one. And then I realize, oh, no. Oh, no. Do I have to do it? I mean, do I want, I mean, in some ways I could just ignore it, right? Because in my mind, no one, no one has really said much about it. So I probably could just ignore it, ignore it. But then I'm like, can I, 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 I've, we've got to go back to it, right? We've got to kind of finish it, right? We have to finish it. And I don't know if you can hear that. That's my neighbor. Can you hear that? They're mowing their grass at 10 PM at night. <laughs> do you hear that? Okay. Usually there's not people cutting. There's not a lot of people mowing their their lawn at 10 p.m. at night, but okay. All right. Yeah. Welcome to West Texas. Yeah. What, what, what are you doing? Like you can't even see it's pitch black out there. Okay. But I digress. I digress. Okay. I just got distracted by that. See, of course, something had to happen, but we have to go back to this. There's a part of me that doesn't want to go. Like I, I, I'm conflicted. I'm con- Let me try to explain. Obviously, you know, 
if you've been listening to this broadcast for a very long time, there is a subject that I am irritated by, aggravated by, frustrated by, discouraged by, depressed by, and at t- and, I, and so there's this time, I want to talk about it because I believe people need to hear about it. But on the other hand, because I hate the topic so much, I don't even want to talk about it because I'm just so frustrated and irritated by it. And because I believe the majority of Christians either one, uh, here, here, there's two camps when I, whenever I talk about this, there's the camp that just violently disagrees and immediately attacks me. So that's no fun. Right. Or the, the rest of the rest of the, the, the Christians are just kind of shrugging their shoulders like, oh, boy, he's yelling about that again. No one cares. It's not that big of a deal. You are exaggerating it. You, it's just move on. And, and so that means then who who wants to hear it? No, but I don't want to talk about it. Nobody wants to hear it. So what am I doing? Well, what I'm doing is what I feel needs to be done, even though I don't want to do it. So we know the subject, right? Everybody knows the subject. I could, I could just wait. Right? Come on, everyone say it with me. The politicizing of the church, the political hijacking of the American church. I've been talking about it over and over and over. You take the political hijacking of the church, mix in Christian nationalism, and you you basically are slowly but surely writing off the page, historical biblical Christianity, you're replacing it with this weird hybrid because the politicizing, the Christian nationalism, there are times that they will talk about things that are very biblical, scripture, talk about Jesus, talk about God, and you'll be like, yes, we're on the same page. And then immediately they flip over and they start saying something else. And you're like, well, no, 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 no. We're not on the same page. Get me out of here. Get, come on, come on. Open the door. Let me out. Let me out. Let me, I, I, you Look, you were talking about Jesus. You were holding a Bible. I thought you were, I thought we were on the same page. I came in and all of a sudden the door locks and then dun, 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 dun. there's signs of Trump. There's Trump flags. There's American flags. There's the constitution, you know, God bless America. And you're like, what is happening? Okay. I'm proud to be an American. What is happening? Get me out. Get me out. Get me out. And then, and then you have to run away and you're like, I don't know what that was, but I, the politicizing of the church, the, the, the political hijacking of the church and Christian nationalism, I will continue to raise my voice and scream about it. Not because I want to, because it just discourages me. Just because I think there's about a, a large percentage of Christians who just don't believe it's that big of a threat. They don't see the problem. And until I can wake them up, then I, I'm just going to continue to use the platform to talk about it, even though I don't want to. So this all started because there was an article about basically political pastors and Donald Trump, that Donald Trump went onto a Christian program called Flashpoint, a Flashpoint is a news program on the YouTube channel uh, called The Victory Channel. It is hosted by Jean Jean Bailey, and it is an outreach of Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And as someone who emailed me said, it's the worst of the worst. They constantly have the top charismatic false prophets on as guests. Trump went on there and Trump basically was saying, hey, I'm going to try to fix it where churches can be as political as they want and they will not lose their tax exemption status. And many Christians are like, yay, yay, yay. And I'm like, no, 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 because that will make the church even more political. It will turn the church into nothing more than a political arm of the Republican Party. And don't get me started about liberal churches and progressive churches. 
they abandoned historical biblical Christianity way before their politics came in. So I don't worry about them because they're outside of Christianity. They threw out the deity of Christ, the inspiration of scripture. I'm talking about conservative churches. They're going to become more political. And if the liberal churches have abandoned Christianity and the conservative churches replace Christianity with a, a conservative political gospel and Christian nationalism, then where's the real gospel, ladies and gentlemen? But he went on there. And so I, I talked a little bit about it. And then I did a program saying, hey, guys, I need my theology central detectives to go to work. We need to learn about Flashpoint and you know, at 1.20 a.m., one of my listeners right there at 1.20 a.m. contacted me saying, here's all the things you need to know about Flashpoint. So I, uh, someone else then emailed me and said, hey, for your consideration, and it was a Flashpoint program dealing what they believe to be the crises, the crises, the crisis facing the American church. So, so I thought, well, this one is less political. Let's see what they have to say. So we reviewed, I don't know. 20 minutes of their program dealing with it, but we didn't finish it. And I was just going to kind of leave it there, but I'm like, I have to finish it. I have to. So this is part two of our review of a Flashpoint program about the crisis in the American church. So far, this is what, what they have pointed out to be the crisis. Number one, the church has turned to entertainment and big productions and shows. Instead of preaching the gospel and the truth, they've turned it into just Entertainment. And you know what? On that, on that point, I'm in complete agreement. But their very next thing they added is the second problem with the church is the church is basically not being political enough and not fighting the culture wars, which then let me out. Like you, you, at first I was like, I'm on your side. Maybe this program's not so bad. And then the next thing you know, here comes the politics. Here comes a little bit of the Christian nationalism. Here's the politicizing of the church. And then I'm trying to run for my life, but it would be unfair to stop the review there. So we're going to finish up the review tonight. All right. That's a 10 minute review. And we're going to go finish our review of this program from Flashpoint. Again, if you want to find Flashpoint, here's what you do. All right. Let me, let me help you find it. All right. Here we go. Go to YouTube, search for the victory channel, click on their channel, go down a row and you'll see the Flashpoint programs. This is how one emailer said, this is what they said, and I loved it. Watch them at your own risk of losing your mind. As a Christian, they are definitely detrimental to your mental health. And I, I, I love that. But yeah, it, it looks like it could be bad. But I, I, did, I could have just looked through the list of programs and found the most political ones, the, the most conspiratorial ones. But I thought that was unfair because another listener said, here's one about, you know, what they feel to be the crisis facing the American church. I thought that that would be the most fair, right? Instead of just going for something I know will be bad, let's see when they're talking about things that maybe we could have some kind of an agreement on. And there's some things they've said, I've agreed. But it's, the, once again, it's that mixture and the politicizing of the church. That's what happens. It takes this whole political Christian nationalist ideology and mixes it with maybe good theology and good Bible preaching. And then it turns into a mutant. It turns into a cancer. All right. Are you ready? 
Are you good? It turns it into a mutated, basically cancer cells that then begins to attack the body. Is that a, is that a good? I don't know if my medicine works perfectly there, but you get the idea. You get the idea. All right, are you ready? So let's do this. Let's finish this tonight. No matter what, we're going to finish this tonight. Even as my neighbor continues to mow his yard at ten o two p.m. at night. Okay, we're going to finish this, all right? Now watch, the internet will crash, a meteorite will hit the earth, dinosaurs will rise. Okay, all right, right, maybe that's all a little hyperbole. Let's do this. Let's have a little bit of fun at the same time, but this is deadly serious, okay? This is serious. All right, here we go. It is enough. Let me bring in, back from an extended trip to the Holy Land, Lance Wallnow. Welcome back, Brother Lance. (laughs) Glad you're back. Uh, you know, Good to see you, Gene. Yeah, glad you're here. We're going to talk about Israel a little bit later in the show and what you've learned from while you were there. But, I, you know, we're talking about this um, seemingly uh, departure from the truth. Uh, you know, Scripture tells us no man comes to the Father except the Spirit draws him. It's not because he saw a really cool production. Uh, and nothing wrong with productions. But there, we've got to get the right things, the right things. And this is where... Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't get this right, why would anyone, and I'm talking to you Christians out there, why would anyone become a believer if you're doing the exact same thing, uh, you know, the church is, the, the world is doing and the same words and everything else? Why are we, I love what you said, Tony, why are we pushing uh, to get to the limit of what we can do instead of talking about the limit of what God did? Lance, I know you. Okay, and just remember, this gets back to, they're talking about, because they started the program by playing some video of some things that some mega churches had done on Easter, which was just these huge productions using secular music and dancing. And it was like, you look at it and you're like, what in the world is that? And I, and I do agree. Like, if the church is going to act like the world, why would the world ever look to the church? But let me make it just as, they're focusing on the entertainment. Let me make it clear. When the church becomes as political as the world, then the world doesn't see the church as something opposite to politics. They just see the church as having a different politic. What I want people to know is you see the cross, you see the church, you walk in, you see the pews and the pulpit. This is not a political institution. This is a place where the word of God is preached and we preach Christ and him crucified for your sins. We we deal with theology. We deal with spirituality. We don't deal with politics. We don't deal with culture wars. We call you to faith in Jesus Christ. Then we teach you to obey those things which he has given us that that is that that i want to make it clear that if you're condemned the that when the when the church is using the music of the world and and doing all kinds of worldly things and you condemn that you should also condemn churches that are just taking the politics of the world and trying to christianize it if if someone's trying to christianize the music of the world how's that any different than you trying to christianize the politics of the world all right. Good. But this comes to the regulative versus normative principle, which we've talked about many times, and we won't go and repeat all of that. But let's see where they take this. You've got a comment. I'll give you the opportunity to speak to that. Well, you know, Gene, figures you would find something to stir up right, right about now. I'm, I'm, you know, it's curious to me is Acts chapter 4, verse 23, when the apostles were threatened when they were told to be silent, they returned to their own companions. The idea that they had their own company, their own group they hung out with is really important. 
Because you see, when fear and threats, which are not uncommon for the church, when they come to the church, you have to be hanging out with the right people if you're going to have victory. So what they did was they went back to their companions and with one accord, they lifted up their voice to God and they said, God, behold the threats of our enemies and grant to us that we would be filled with boldness while you stretch forth your hand and confirm supernaturally the message that you've given us. And then when they had said that, the place where they were was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. I want to prophesy, this is a move that is hitting right now that is going to separate the uh, the weak from the strong yeah, based right. upon who you hang out with. Oh, boy. Now they're prophesying. Oh, this is an absolute train wreck. Okay, here... <laughs> This is charismatic theology. Now they're going to prophesy. Now, you, here's the thing with these charismatic programs. They, I've been listening to charismatics give me prophecies since I, very early on in my Christian life. I used to keep up with Charisma Magazine and all of their prophecies and prophecies over and over and over. It doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen. Do- they never come back and apologize. They never do. They constantly, hey, so now I'm prophesying here. So I guess who you hang out with right and and I, I i guess once again they go to acts something that is descriptive they're going to make it prescriptive that was descriptive of something that was going on during a transitional time in the history of the church i don't know why we can't ever figure this out and they're going to now use it to prophesy something that is supposed to be happening in in our time i've been told over and over by charismatics the signs and wonders are going to fall we're going to see the glory of god and hospitals are going to be emptied out and people are going to raise from the dead and uh, and of course well life just continues on and on uh, over and over people are going to start doing this and people and they're going to have supernatural power and uh, well life just continues to go on and i've heard it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again (sighs) look you want, you want, it's just funny. A, sh- a program like this wants to talk about the crisis facing the American church. Let me tell you, the crisis facing the American church is the politicizing of the American church and the ongoing spread of the cancer known as charismatic theology. It, ha- it, it is an absolute cancer. Charismatic theology is a cancer. It is a cancer. It destroys biblical hermeneutics. It destroys sola scriptura. It destroys, it destroys everything. It, it destroys everything. All right, let, let's continue. So if you're in a weak church, you're going to be weak. But if you're hanging out with the right company, during this period of pressure. All right, so your, your spiritual strength is determined by the people you hang out with or the church you attend. If you're in a weak church, you're going to be weak. Where, where is that a scriptural principle? That's not found in Acts 4. Acts 4 is not teaching that. Hey, if you go to a weak church, you're going to be weak. If you hang out with weak Christians, so don't hang out with any weak Christians. No, if, you're, if there's other weak Christians, you're just like, sorry, you're trash. I got to go find some good Christians so that I can be strong. Like, don't hang out with weak Christians. So, so the weakness of the church determines your spirit. Now, you could argue that the weakness of a church could impact you, but you know, you, 
I, I, I just so, oh, that is just, that is not a biblical principle in any way, shape, or form. That is not a biblical principle. That's not taught. What, what, what leads to one's spiritual strength? Now, I, I, I've, I've done this before. I've asked many Christians, where, where have you grown? The, what, what has led to more, more, more spiritual growth in your life, the church or something else? Every single person who ever emailed me have always said, other than the church, it's been sermons online. It's been books. It's been, by, it, it's, it's been other things. To say, to say I'm, spiritually weak, I'm spiritually weak and it's my church's fault. And 2023, that's ridiculous. You've got everything you could ever want in the history of Christianity available to you and on your phone for crying out loud. But he, he's, he's developing this principle from Acts 4 because they went back to their company. Oh, see, 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 that, that proves it. Oh, man, I'm telling you. And now he's going to give a prophecy based off his... And, and reading something into a text, and, and they want to talk about the greatest crisis facing the church. You're going to be seeking God, and instead of breaking down, the house will shake, you will be filled, and I believe this is going to be a move of the supernatural baptism of the Holy Spirit. Kenneth Hagin had that vision years ago, 1967, right. where communism was going to hit the United States. Who could have seen that coming? Hagin did. And when it happened... Tongues of fire was going to come upon the body of Christ, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire and boldness was going to seize a generation, and the fire was going to spread, and there would be a temporary pushback. That is exactly I've heard that so I've heard this stuff so much. Now, oh man. I I've heard this so much that, that, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And I've heard that uh, at different times when revivals have broken out in the charismatic world that it was happening. And now I guess it hasn't happened yet. It's still coming. So tongues of fire and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, which is, you know, this supernatural thing that happens and how you know you got it is you spoke in tongues. Oh, just this whole thing is, is a train wreck. Um, it's now going to happen so we can push back against communism. Communism. That That's... That's the thing we have to fight against is communism. That's, that's what the church needs to be fighting is communism. <laughs> oh, man. Exactly what's happening right now. It is. I, it's well said. I, I, like, now, wait a minute. If that's happening right now, then there can't be a crisis in the church, right? If the Holy Spirit is, if supernatural things are happening, people are rising up, speaking in tongues, and we're pushing back against communism, then why is this on a program about the crisis in the church? It sounds like the church is now ready to fight. It's been supernaturally empowered. It's ready to go. So is there a crisis in the church or not a crisis in the church? He just said that there's a crisis in the church and the church has stopped speaking truth. He comes along and saying that right now his prophecy is occurring and people, I, I don't know, which is it? Is there a crisis or not a crisis? Which is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like the crisis is in culture because they're turning to communism and the church is here to fight the communism in the culture. And we're going to do so by the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. <laughs> Sometimes you can't make this stuff up. Ladies and gentlemen, we must take this here. We are in serious, serious times. And I like the fact that, uh, Eric, you brought out uh, 
uh, with Bonhoeffer, we're in exactly the same times. If we don't, if we don't stop and understand, the church is what's holding back the the believers, the real believers, the remnant. It doesn't take millions. We want millions, but it takes the remnant. That's what's holding this horrible, horrible agenda from going forward. But let's well, talk about. Okay, wait. So the church is holding back the agenda, the the political agenda, the 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 uh, the church is holding it back. So the church is holding back a cultural issue, but there's a crisis in the church. I, I, I'm I'm just confused. This whole program is about the crisis in the church, and now it's not like the church is winning. So is there a? Uh, Go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and that's why the agenda is going forward to the extent that it is, because of the silence of the church. How many pastors don't... Wait, now the agenda is moving forward because the silence of the church. So is the church supernaturally empowered in speaking in tongues and holding it back? Or is the church silent and not holding it back? I'm a little perplexed here. So the agenda is going forward because too many churches are silent. Wait, I thought they were now baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm trying to follow, ladies and gentlemen. I am really trying to follow this. I am really trying to follow this. If you read the comments under this broadcast, I've seen it in a couple of places and Christians are like, oh, praise God. This was the greatest program I've ever heard. And I'm like, this is the most convoluted thing I've ever heard in my life. Which is it? Is the church in crisis, as the name of the program suggests, or is the church now undergoing this supernatural empowering by the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking tongues and holding back the agenda? No, 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 no. The church is not really holding back the agenda that well because it's moving forward because the pastors are silent. What are we silent on? I'm assuming political issues. Say one word about anything they perceive of as potentially divisive because they're afraid of losing somebody's tithe. They're afraid somebody will get upset. It is your job, man of God, to speak the truth, to call out corruption. We have such evil afoot in our country. We have hatred of, of the foundational American values that made this country Oh, so I need to be speaking out against the hatred for American values. No, sorry. It's not my job to defend America from the pulpit. It's my job to preach the scriptures. And I'm sick and tired of these people who politicize the church thinking that I'm supposed to be fighting for America and raw, raw America and patriotism. That No, you're the problem in the church. You're turning the church into some nationalistic Republican political campaign. Yeah, now, now, you, now I start losing. Now I start getting a little angry. And now I start getting a little angry. And I get really bothered by it. I'm tired of this politicizing of the church. The church is not American. The church is not Chinese. The church is not any 
it's not any nation. It's not any politic. The church is the bride of Christ. We are to preach him and him crucified. We are to expound his word. We are to study the word, figure it out, struggle with it. We are to present the, we are to disciple people, feed them scripture. That's what we're called to do. Baptize, Lord's Supper, prayer, fasting, preaching, proclamation, praise. I mean, those are the things we're to do. Not politics, not nationalism. Great. We have things going on in this country, open borders, the preposterousness of talking about defunding the police. So the church is supposed to be speaking out on open borders. Now, let's look at it from a theological perspective. All right, let me think about it as a theological perspective. Let me see this. So if I'm in a country and the borders are open, and all these people from all over the world are coming here, what I need to do is not get into a fight about borders open or borders closed. What I need to do is figure out what people from which nations are coming across that border and how I, as a church, can better minister to them and present the gospel to them because it's like the mission field coming to me. We don't have to go to them. I just got to get the right people trained to know the right language and to know that culture so that they can proclaim the gospel in those languages. How can we minister to those people? How can we disciple them? If you've got people coming from Spanish-speaking nations pouring across the border, then where can you set up a church that can minister to those Spanish-speaking people with correct Bible, theology, doctrine, exegesis of Scripture? How can we get Bibles to those people coming across the border in their languages? That's what the church should be thinking. I shouldn't be fighting over open, defund the police. That's not the church's job to fight over that. The church's job is to preach Christ. Not these culture wars and political issues. This is all madness. Most Americans know it's madness. They're looking for voices to call it out and to say what God says about these things. And it's- what God says about these things. What God says about these things. I wonder what God says about open borders. I wonder, I wonder. There's probably entire scriptures about, oh, we could probably try to apply some things. I wonder what God says about defund the police. I I wonder, I wonder. I I wonder, well, well, yeah, I mean, We can try to look at these from theological perspectives, but the church's job is not to get caught up into the culture war. We're to go to the underlying issue. You know what? The all, all issues you see playing out in culture are the results of depravity. What speaks to depravity is not law. Law doesn't fix uh, depravity. We need to present the gospel. We do preach the law to show people their depravity. So then they will come to Christ. Instead, many of them are going to churches where they're just playing church. I'm not talking about the lunacy you just showed. That's its own problem. But I'm talking about buttoned up churches where they're going. They think they're saying all the right things. They're saying everything but what needs to be said. Evil needs to be called out as evil. And I'll tell you something, Gene. Most Americans, in a way, we're so blessed. We forget that there is evil. We forget that there is evil and sin and death. And we need Americans forget that there's evil? When someone goes to an elementary school and shoot up little kids, what we Americans forget that there's evil? 
when there's murder and rape and the church is guilty of horrible crimes against children involving sex? The, like the world doesn't know that there's the church. We don't know that there's evil. No, you, oh, okay, all right. A savior who rose okay. from the dead. A lot of people think, well, I don't know if I really need that. Everything's fine. If you look around, if you look at the people suffering, not just in our country, but around the world. I just had Yeonmi Park on my program who defected from North Korea. There is hell on earth in the country of North Korea. 25 million people enslaved on a level that I don't even want to talk about. I'll start crying. And we as a nation and as a church, we need to care about that. We need. Okay, I do believe the situation in North Korea is horrible. And yes, that people are enslaved and, and horribly. But there are millions upon millions of Americans who are enslaved to sin. And when I say enslaved to sin, meaning they're in their sins, they're under the wrath of God. They are sold under sin. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. They need the gospel. I mean, just think about what do the people in North Korea need most? Now, from a human perspective, they may need food, they need clothing, they may need shelter, and they may need a new government. I can understand from a human perspective, but I know whatever they get to improve their physical life on this earth, that's only going to last 60, 70, 80 years, and they're going to be dead. And then they've got eternity. So what they need first and foremost is the gospel. They need Christ. need to stand up against China, which is allying itself with this. We are to be the voice of God in our generation, doing everything we can, not just speaking against these things, but praying and praying. And we have many churches, they're acting like everything's fine. Let's just have a nice Sunday service. Let's just give our thin little gospel message. No wonder those churches are losing people. If you want to build your congregation, talk about the divisive stuff that everyone else is talking about and is wondering. Oh, I do agree that if you want to build your church, go political, because there's a lot of people who've become so politicized, they will go to a church that's more political than they will go to a church that's more theological. I do believe that he's probably right. Turn your church into a political right, uh, a political uh, campaign headquarters for the Republican Party, and you will find a large audience for it because Christian nationalism has so been ingrained in the minds of American of many Americans that they will flock to the church preaching a political message and thinking they're getting the gospel. They want culture wars. They want morality. They want politics. They don't want theology. Prayer, fasting, and spirituality. Is there any Christian church where I can go and hear truth spoken with courage? Those churches are exploding, and God is doing a sifting right now. Those churches are growing. The other churches have been cursed like the fig tree. Unless they repent, they are withering and they are going away. They will shut their doors, and it's happening right now. You know, let me go back to you, Tony. You travel. Do we do we believe that the churches that are quote unquote not doing what he says we're supposed to do are they going to go away? Now, 
Let's just say he's right because he's definitely calling for a more politicized church. If you get, let's say the politicized church basically rises up, it raises up and and becomes dominant and the other churches disappear. What happens to then biblical theological based Christianity? All over the country, is that what do you is that what you're seeing? What uh, what Eric is saying? You're seeing growth in churches that are being bolder and calling out things the way they are. Is that the truth? The church, the churches that will preach the gospel, that will preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit, are having unprecedented revival, like our grandparents. Churches that preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as he defines it, are heretical because it's charismatic trash. Can I get any more blunt? There is no room for compromise with charismatic theology. It is something other than historical biblical Christianity. I don't, I am not attacking people. I'm attacking the theology. I'm attacking the doctrine. Charismatic theology must be opposed. And if charismatic churches are the ones rising and becoming dominant, then I'm sorry, Historical biblical Christianity is slowly but surely not only being written out of existence by the politicizing of the church, it's also being written out of existence by, what do we want to call it? The charismatic makeover of the church? The Pentecostalization of the church? Parents prophesied about and our parents preached about. Just uh, a week or two ago, I was in Denver. And we'd had an extended revival on a Tuesday night. We water baptized 49 people spontaneously because revival is not coming. Revival is here. We've been declaring that for years. It's here. And I want to. Okay. So, we're, so I'm, I'm a little confused. On one hand, churches aren't doing what they're supposed to. But on the other hand, revival is here. It's here. It's not, we're not praying for it. Revival is here. Supernatural things are happening. It's here. Well, then the church is not in crisis. The church is in revival. Is the church in revival or is the church in crisis? And if the churches that are not in revival are actually falling apart, are going away, then why are you worried about the church being in crisis? Because revival is here. So I don't understand. In the midst of revival, the church is in crisis. So the church is in revival, but we're in crisis. <laughs> I don't understand. I encourage every pastor, just like Eric and Lance were talking, preach the gospel. Preach the truth. Don't worry about what tithe check might walk out the window or what legacy member of the church. First uh, John 2 and 18, dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming and already many such Antichrists have appeared. That first John passage is about that time. And he was referring to Gnostics. He was referring to Gnosticism and the leader, the uh, leaders of Gnosticism, that there's a, there's at least some understanding that John even met and had encountered some of the Gnostic leaders that he was referencing as Antichrist. But, you know, let's not worry about doctrine or theology or church history. From this, we know that the last hour has come. These people have left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. I want you to know that every church uses that. If you leave that church, well, 
If they were with us, they would have stayed with us. But they went out from among us to prove they were never of us. So anyone who leaves, see, they were never with us in the first place. Isn't that a very scary mentality to have? Someone leaves your church. Well, they were never with us. They were never with us. They were not of us. They were probably not believers. Or they would have stayed with us. I mean, come on. That's... So then you, there's no honorable way out. You can't leave your church because if you leave, you prove you were never of them. And they were they are the saved people. Oh, I think First John is the polemic against Gnosticism. And what he was trying to say is that people were either going to stay with the gospel or they were going over to the Gnostic heresy. But that's okay. We pray for them. We pray that. They'll be restored, but don't worry. Worry about the harvest. And I want to tell every every pastor that's watching, I know that there is a struggle in the labor, but there's an ease to the harvest. And right now is harvest time. There's an ease to it. And you get what you preach. That old adage I heard growing up in the Pentecostal church is true. You get what you preach. You preach the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will come. Preach healing, preach prosperity, preach blessing. You'll see it in your church. You don't Preach healing and you'll get healing. Yeah, yeah. Preach healing and you'll get healed. Oh, man. <sighs> yeah, preach, prosper- preach prosperity and preach healing and you'll get it. Well, then take your church to some third world nations where people are starving to death and preach healing and preach prosperity and still watch them die. But okay, you know, what, what do I know? Have to entertain the people. Now, the children, the young people, in fact, you can't compete with the entertainment that's available on social media and, and all the shows. Don't do that. Give them the gospel. They want what we have. So preach the gospel and you will see revival. Every church we're going to is not empty or half empty. The doors, uh, the doors are open. People are coming early. The sanctuaries are full and that just proves it. There's power in our message and people want to hear the true gospel. Okay, so the church is not in crisis. On a program about the church being in crisis, the church is not in crisis. Wherever they go, the people want it. The people are excited for it. The door, the people get there early and revival isn't coming. Revival is here. But the church is in crisis because the church is not preaching the truth. Amen. All right. So there you go. There's the answer. All right. Let me move along here real quick. Um, Gavin Newsom. Let's hear what the other side has to think. And I think Gavin Newsom qualifies as the other side. How does he view things? Watch. But they are rolling back rights in real time on voting rights, on civil rights, LGBTQ rights. They're rolling back rights on abortion. They're rolling back rights on contraceptives. And they're doing it state after state. It's a full-on assault, these bathroom bills, the othering, the us versus them mentality, the trans community, the obsession with drag shows. And they're winning, and they're scaring people into submission. And there's a hierarchy, a framework of power and dominance and aggression that they're advancing. And again, they're winning in these states. And they're also trying to nationalize these wins with the you know judge shopping in Amarillo, Texas, judge shopping down in San Diego, California, where we have a judge... Judge Benitez is likely going to throw out our assault weapons ban, obviously with the MIFI drug and the impacts that could have a medical abortion. So you're 100% right. But the prism to which I see the world is not always top down. It's also yeah. bottom up. And Dobbs obviously helped us in the midterms, but I hope we don't get lulled in 
to some semi-conscious, uh, well, you know, semi-confidence where we, we lose consciousness of this rights regression that is happening across our country. All right. That interview was with No Lie with Brian Taylor Cohen, the other gentleman in the video. All right, Eric, you see that. Uh, the interesting thing there is he's given us cre- given us the cred that, hey, we're we're winning. These guys are coming after you. It's working. Does anyone care what Gavin Newsom says? Has anyone ever heard more baloney? That man is let's let's be blunt, Gene. Okay, do you know how many born again believers in California didn't vote? Do you know that you get a wicked, slick talking, evil governor like that when you don't vote? All right, so this is supposed to be a program about the church in crisis. They never really established what the crisis is other than entertainment, and we don't really get involved in politics, but there really isn't a crisis because the church is in revival. And then we go straight political. We go straight political. Now, you can look it up. Again, Flashpoint, remember the emailer gave us very clear directions and how to find it. Let me go look up the email the emailer's email that they sent me at one something in the morning. Maybe if I can find it, where is it? Here we go. Uh, If you go to YouTube and search the Victory Channel, then click on their uh, channel and go down a row, you'll see the Flashpoint programs. And that was called uh, The Church in Crisis. I think it was somewhere in April when that episode aired. And uh, well, then they get all political. 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 I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And if we're winning, well, then so I, I don't know. The, the church is not doing enough. The church is in revival. We're winning, but we're not winning. I, I don't. And what are we winning? If we pass all of these bills and, and accomplish all of this, what are we winning? You're just trying to, it's a moral crusade where you're trying to impose a Christian law and a Christian nationalistic policy upon the unregenerate. You're not, you're just giving them law and you're not giving them the gospel. um, There we go. We could review the rest of it, but I just wanted to hear what they had to say about the church in crisis. And really, I'm I'm, I'm I, I, I don't think... Something was weird there. I think when they brought the guest on, maybe the guest didn't understand what they were supposed to really trying to be getting across. Like one, some of them realized, understand we're talking about the problems in the church. And the other guy was like, the church is in revival. I'm prophesying that the, and, and like all of this stuff. And it's like, I, it's so contradictory. I, I don't know if they know what's going on. I don't know if they, if they understand what's going on. It, it, it's really bizarre, but there you have it. I wanted you to know about the program. I do want you to go watch their program. I want you to see what – I mean, I, I do this all the time. American Family Radio, download the American Family Radio app, listen to them between uh, Monday through Friday between about 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. just to hear how politicized the church is. I mean, sometimes you won't know if you're listening to Christian radio or, uh, you know, conservative Republican talk radio. Um, and then you can go watch the Flashpoint Flashpoint Christian News program to see, once again, the politicizing of Christianity. And you'll see the influence of Christian nationalism.
Uh, I can't remember. Someone emailed me. I don't remember when. And basically, was, they 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 used this phrase: "I want my church back" because their church has been so politicized. I just, I just, uh, there you go. You can email me all of your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Kind of a special evening, not really late night, evening episode. Um, Trying to finish up some things so that we can, you know, try to get back to some kind of a reset and and get us on the right path. Um, You know, sometimes uh, when you cover as many things as I do, I'm not going to get all philosophical about podcasting. Let's not do that. Let's just end right there. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I don't know if I'm going to do anything else this evening. If I if I do, well, if you have the Church One app, you'll get the notification that I'm going live. So download the Church O-N-E app, Church O-N-E. Do a search for Theology Central. Make us your chosen broadcast. And whenever we're live, you'll know it uh, because you'll get you'll get to listen to the pre-show, right? Because the Church One app notifies you before I'm officially live. They, they notify you the minute I start streaming, and that involves the pre-show as well. So just if you, if you care. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.